0: Well, if you're across the global news, you'll notice that every week there is a terrorist attack somewhere around the world. People just getting on with their daily lives, innocent people who have their lives cut short as a reaction to these atrocious attacks. Horrific images that come to us from shopping centres and places of worship, airports, neighbourhood strips, blood spilled at their hands. Of these terrorists and we look on in shock and horror as we see images of these bloody bodies you know the shedding of blood will always be an outcome with incidents like these blood generally causes fear i don't know what it does to you but when i see blood there's that the, so the back goes up and it causes a little bit of fear in me blood signals that there is something not right now, some people, they faint at the sight of blood. I know some men who buckle at the knees in birthing suites. Of course, South men would never be like that, would they? Others can't give blood for fear of fainting or getting a little lightheaded. If you're of my vintage, you remember at school that you would rush to the first aid room and you would pick the mercurochrome off the shelf and pick a colour to put across your greys to stop that flow of blood. And of course, the AFL, more than a decade ago now, brought in a blood rule. And that is when a player had blood streaming from his face or anywhere on his body, he would be sent from the field of play and couldn't return until that flow of blood had been stemmed. The motivation behind that was to stop the spread of disease like hepatitis or HIV. Blood is something we want to avoid at all costs. Doesn't matter where we are. We see blood, we either run away from it or we mop it up as quickly as we possibly can. Either way... It has to go. We can't put up with it. Now, in the Bible, there is a story of a woman who was bleeding. As a matter of fact, she had this bleeding condition for 12 years. And she desperately wanted that flow of blood to stop. You can read the account in Mark chapter 5 or Luke chapter 8. I'm going to paraphrase that story for you this morning. See, in this particular occasion, Jesus was actually on the way to visit a very sick young child, Jairus' daughter. So it was quite an emergency that he was involved in at the time. And there had this huge crowd following him, crushing him around him. And this woman was in the vicinity of this crowd. And she's hoping, just perhaps, just perhaps that Jesus over there that I've heard a few things about, perhaps he could help me out of here. See, up until that point in time, nothing could heal her. There's no doctor that could rectify her situation. No amount of money could buy her a cure. So here she is desperate. She pushes her way through this crushing crowd and touches the edge of Jesus' garment, his cloak. And immediately, just like that, the bleeding stopped after 12 long and hard years. Then Jesus turns around to see who in fact had touched him. He'd felt this incredible power come from out of him. And this woman realizes that she can't go unnoticed. So she comes trembling and falls at the feet of Jesus and explains to him how she'd touched his cloak and immediately she'd been healed. And Jesus says to her, Daughter, your faith is what's healed you. Now go in peace. Now, what I love about this story is not just the healing that took place, as miraculous as that healing was. It's that Jesus in his kindness stops everything that he was doing to help this one woman. He meets her in her time of need. Now this woman, because of her disease, she was an outcast in her society. She was spat out. She was treated like a leper. She had been discarded from her family for 12 years. So here she is desperate, absolutely out of money, destitute. She would have had a really low self-esteem. That would have taken a battering over time. She wasn't even allowed to walk the public streets, a woman with her condition. So here we have probably a woman who's had to disguise herself to get anywhere near Jesus. So she sneaks up probably on her hands and her her feet, prizing her way through the crowd. She tugs on his garment. She's got this sense that perhaps this is the, the one that could make a difference in my life. And Jesus takes the time to stop in the midst of a crowd, in the midst of a busy schedule, in the midst of an incredible emergency that he was involved in, jairuss dying daughter. Yet he gives this woman his personal attention, as if she was the only one there. Like everything else around him, stops. Slow motion as he deals with this young woman. And you need to know that Jesus can give you that same attention. And there is no better and more poignant time of the year to illustrate that reality than Easter. Good Friday is all about Jesus reaching out from the cross, saying, I think that much of you, that I'm prepared to go through all of this pain. I'm prepared to sacrifice my life so that you might truly live both now and forever. Regardless of who you are, whatever medical condition that you might present yourself with, whatever your stained background or your past mistakes or how you feel about yourself or how tough life might be or how unworthy you feel, Jesus cares for you and will meet you exactly where you're at. And just like that woman, you matter to him and you deserve his attention regardless of how you present yourself this morning. Easter is an invitation to respond to all that the cross represents: healing and hope, and that Jesus is never too busy for you, and just like this woman though, we need to reach out to him to seek his touch, to connect with him, to truly connect with him and that 's not easy to do in the society that we live in today to reach through the crowd, to reach through the, the fiasco going on around us and reaching through all those and past all those alternatives to Jesus that are opposing the truths of the gospel and the Jesus values. It takes determination, just like that woman, to reach through a crowd. It's always not that easy. But when you reach through that crowd and through all the busyness and hectic schedules, boy, do you find life at the other end of that touch. Good Friday tells us that you're not condemned for your sin. Good Friday tells us that we are are not condemned for our past mistakes or our future mistakes. But rather, Good Friday speaks of this incredible hope that Jesus offers us and the forgiveness of our sins. Jesus' desire is to see us released from our pain, to be set free, to live an abundant life. Jesus indeed can rescue us. See, the woman in our story here, she was seen as a polluted woman. She was seen in her society as untouchable. But she dares reach out to Jesus. And she touches Jesus. And Jesus embraces that touch. And she knew that, hey, this was the only one that could totally heal her, that could purify her heart. So to everyone else, Jesus' garment probably looked, Quite ordinary. And whilst the garment had no magical ingredient in it, her faith and her belief in him is what healed her. Now, I'm not sure what brings you to church here this morning. Perhaps this is part of your regular rhythm and your faith. Perhaps you're here on your annual pilgrimage. Perhaps you're here with family and friends doing the right thing. That's what you do. I'm not sure why you're here this morning. And I'm not sure how you present yourself this morning. It's possible there is someone or someone's here this morning sitting here and you feel a little lost. Perhaps you're trying to make sense of life. Maybe you're disenchanted with life or you're trying to make sense of it all. Perhaps you've got that sense of, hey, there's, there's more to life than what I'm experiencing right now, surely. Surely. Some of you know that I'm, I have the privilege of being an AFL chaplain and I've been involved in the AFL across a couple of clubs now for the last eight years. And I've sat with, with players and coaches who have looked me in the eye in cafes and said to me, Mark, I'm living the dream. I aspired to, to be in this industry and to thrive in this industry and I'm doing all of that right now. Yet there's still something missing. I've got this void in my heart and this purpose I thought that I would have tied up in this football dream of mine. It's not that fulfilling. And so perhaps this morning you relate to the woman. You relate to her pain and her anguish and that, that need for healing in your life. Or on the flip side of that, perhaps you relate to some of those footballers that I meet with. You're living the dream. Things seem to, On the surface, things look good. You've got a great job, great life. Yet there's still that void, that emptiness in here. We well, you know what Jesus, when he was nailed to that cross, he speaks into that void. Calvary is more than just a location. This is where Jesus shed his blood so that things could be put right in our lives and that emptiness would dissipate. Can I invite the communion stewards down to the front? I know there's a couple of tables at the back. Can I invite you to come now and start distributing the bread and the cup? Because I'd like us to sit with both of those elements as we come to the conclusion of this message. So thank you for doing that. I trust it's not too distracting as I continue to speak. But for those of you who perhaps have never partaken or don't know what this meal is all about, you're about to receive, and your invitation is to enjoy this meal, a little piece of bread and a cup. A bread that represents the the body of Jesus Christ and the incredible pain and sacrifice he went through. And the cup that will represent the blood that he willingly shed on our behalf. And this is the moment where we partake in both these ingredients as a way of saying, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for what that means to me. So again, just hold on to the bread, hold on to the cup, and we will eat and drink together as one body shortly. You now the woman in our story here with this bleeding condition, she was looking for a solution to her dilemma. Her condition represented pain for her, not just at a physical level, but a social level as well. People didn't want anything to do with her. It was a bit like the umpire had sent her off the ground. And for 12 years, she's been sitting in the change rooms, deemed unworthy to re-enter the game of life. But here she is reaching out to Jesus as her only hope. Miraculously, the bleeding stops, which was a healthy sign, a sign of physical and spiritual healing. But here's the irony. The bleeding stops for this woman. The the irony being that Jesus knew that ultimately he would have to bleed for that woman. But not just that woman. He would have to bleed for all people. For all time. Including the terrorists. The suicide bombers. The rapists. the, The pedophiles. The drug traffickers. The drug dealers. But not just the notorious criminals. He would bleed for you and me to cover over our imperfections, our flaws, our mistakes. You've seen it before, when a player marches off the field or the court with blood streaming from their, a gash on their head or a, a cut over the eye. What do we do? We stand and applaud, don't we? There's that sense that, the, that our man or our woman has gone into battle for the team. They've given their all for the sake of victory, earning the admiration of the supporters that they've that their very own have been prepared to bleed for the jumper, bleed for the singlet. We think that's pretty special. Well, Jesus likewise was prepared to bleed. Yet he didn't have too many people in the grandstand cheering for him. It's quite the opposite. It was a jeering. People jeering and hurling insults and calling for his head. And so when he's captured and turned over the authorities and Led away to be crucified, the blood began to flow. And it needed to, because things simply were not right. And that blood, that wouldn't stop until he breathed his last breath on that cross. He was whipped, he was mocked, he was tortured, he even made to carry his own cross for a short period of time. He had to endure the pain Christ's blood needed to flow so he could put things right, redeeming humanity from its sin and people's capacity to do evil. Yet as much as we want to stop the flow and and mend the wounds and patch up his innocent body every time we see the footage or read the gospel account afresh, the blood needed to flow. Even Jesus himself, the night before, he had pleaded with the Father to take this cup of suffering from him. Sweat leaving his forehead. Drops of sweat hitting the ground like there were drops of blood. Yet he soldiered on because he knew it was the Father's will that humanity would be lost without this sacrifice. And so this blood was and is different. The blood of Christ washes over our sin. The blood of Christ sets us free. We're no longer stuck in our sin, no longer condemned. The blood speaks of goodness and light overcoming darkness and evil. His blood was to flow for our own good. The power of his blood can live in each of us if we just confess our sin, confess the mess that's in our lives and acknowledge that Jesus is indeed the Lord and Savior, that he died for our sins, that he sat on that cross, nailed to that cross, offering a bridge between us and God the Father that we might come into a relationship with Him on the back of what Jesus did on that cross it's a bridge between us and God Christ's death on the cross was a huge moment in history but it's not just a story for the ages it's not just a folklore story it's not one that we we sort of recite once a year at Easter time it's a story that continues today and will continue tomorrow and next week and for the years and centuries to come. And it's a story that includes each of us. Not unlike what Carl Faye was saying on the video there. It's a story that invites a response from us individually. Through this courageous act and spilling of blood, we are afforded the opportunity to step into a new life. Can I invite you now as you hold the, the bread and the cup, just for a moment, Let me allow you to have a couple of private moments, a couple of minutes between you and God. Do business with God this morning. You might want to think about these two questions. Where are you in this story? Where are you in the story of the cross? And what does the blood of Christ truly mean to you? Can I invite you just to sit with that for a couple of moments as you have some time to personally reflect and pray. Then I'll lead us into partaking in a moment's time. Well, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, here he was reclining with his best friends, his disciples, and he instituted the most profound meal that has ever been experienced. On this particular night, he preempted what was to come through the sharing of this meal. And so as he took the bread, he said to his disciples, this is my body, which is for you. Take this and eat this. In remembrance of me, I invite you to do so. And in the same way, after the supper, he took the cup. He said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for many. When you drink from this cup, do so in remembrance of me. Christ's blood shed for you. Let's pray. God, again this morning, we, are, we have hearts full of gratitude and we thank you so very, very much for all your Son has done for us on that cross. Forgive us, Lord, where we're too quick to throw this in the basket of, of folklore stories or something that we might just connect with once a year. But God, we remember the incredible sacrifice of your Son The redemption of humanity as a result, and the life that we have been invited into now as a result. We thank you for the grace that you bestow upon us by the cross. As your blood was shed, the forgiveness of sins then become a reality for us. And that sense of, of purpose, that void that so many people experience now has been filled by this incredible act of your courageousness in the, on the cross. God, thank you so very, very much. May the truths of these symbols, both the bread and the cup, penetrate our hearts. And may we not, not be too quick to rush to Resurrection Sunday, as tempting as that is, that just like that woman in our story today, that we might fall at the feet of Jesus at the foot of the cross, And say thank you and connect our hearts to Jesus in whose name we pray. Amen.